Holes by Lewis Sacker. Chapter 37. We're almost there, said Stanley. He could see the base of the mountain. Now that they really were almost there, it scared him. Big Thumb was his only hope. If there was no water, no refuge, then they'd have nothing, not even hope. There was no exact place where the flatland stopped and the mountain began. The ground got steeper and steeper, and then there was no doubt that they were heading up the mountain. Stanley could no longer see Big Thumb. The slope of the mountain was in the way. It became too steep to go straight up. Instead, they zigzagged back and forth, increasing their altitude by small increments every time they changed directions. Patches of weeds dotted the mountainside. They walked from one patch to another, using the weeds as footholds. As they got higher, the weeds got thicker. Many had thorns, and they had to be careful walking through them. Stanley would have liked to stop and rest, but he was afraid they'd never get started again. As long as Zero could keep going, he could keep going too. Besides, he knew they didn't have much daylight left. As the sky darkened, bugs began to appear above the weed patches. A swarm of gnats hovered around them, attracted by their sweat. Neither Stanley nor Zero had the strength to try to swat at them. How are you doing? Stanley asked. Zero pointed thumbs up, then he said, if a gnat lands on me, it will knock me over. Stanley gave him some more words. B, U, G, S, he spelled. Zero concentrated hard, then said, Boogs? Stanley laughed. A wide smile spread across Zero's sick and weary face as well. Bugs, he said. Good, said Stanley. Remember, it's a short U if there's no E at the end. Okay, here's a hard one. How about L-U-N-C-H? La, la, un. Suddenly, Zero made a horrible wrenching noise as he doubled over and grabbed his stomach. His frail body shook violently, and he threw up, emptying his stomach of the sploosh. He leaned on his knees and took several deep breaths. Then he straightened up and continued going. The swarm of gnats stayed behind, preferring the contents of Zero's stomach to the sweat on the boys' faces. Stanley didn't give him any more words, thinking that he needed to save his strength. But about 10 or 15 minutes later, Zero said, Lunch. As they climbed higher, the patches of weeds grew thicker, and they had to be careful not to get their feet tangled in thorny vines. Stanley suddenly realized something. There hadn't been any weeds on the lake. Weeds and bugs, he said. There's got to be water around somewhere. We must be getting close. A wide, clown-like smile spread across Zero's face. He flashed the thumbs-up sign, then fell. He didn't get up. Stanley bent over him. Come on, Zero, he urged. We're getting close. Come on, Hector. Weeds and bugs. Weeds and boogs. Stanley shook him. I've already ordered your hot fudge sundae, he said. They're making it right now. Zero said nothing. Chapter 38. Stanley took hold of Zero's forearms and pulled him upright. Then he stooped down and let Zero fall over his right shoulder. He stood up, lifting Zero's worn-out body off the ground. He left the shovel and sack of jars behind as he continued up the mountain. Zero's legs dangled in front of him. Stanley couldn't see his feet, which made it difficult to walk through the tangled patches of weeds and vines. He concentrated on one step at a time, carefully raising and setting down each foot. He thought only about each step and not the impossible task that lay before him. Higher and higher he climbed. His strength came from somewhere deep inside himself and also seemed to come from the outside as well. After focusing on Big Thumb for so long, it was as if the rock had absorbed his energy and now acted like a giant, kind of giant magnet, pulling him toward it. After a while, he became aware of a foul odor. At first, he thought it came from Zero, but it seemed to be in the air, hanging heavy all around him. He also noticed the ground wasn't as steep anymore. 
As the ground flattened, a huge stone precipice rose up ahead of him, just barely visible in the moonlight. It seemed to grow bigger with each step he took. It no longer resembled a thumb, and he knew he'd never be able to climb it. Around him, the smell became stronger. It was the bitter smell of despair. Even if he could somehow climb Big Thumb, he knew he wouldn't find water. He could. How could there be water at the top of a giant rock? The weeds and bugs survived only by occasional rainstorm, like the one he had seen from camp. Still, he continued toward it. If nothing else, he wanted to at least reach the thumb. He never made it. His feet slipped out from under him. Zero's head knocked against the back of his shoulder as he fell and tumbled into a small, muddy gully. As he lay face down in the muddy ditch, he didn't know if he'd ever get up again. He didn't know if he'd even try. Had he come all this way just to... You need water to make mud. He crawled along the gully in the direction that seemed the muddiest. The ground got gloppier, became gloppier. The mud splashed up as he slapped the ground. Using both hands, he dug a hole in the soggy soil. It was too dark to see, but he thought he could feel a tiny pool of water at the bottom of this hole. He stuck his head in the hole and licked the dirt. He dug deeper, and as he did so, more water seemed to fill the hole. He couldn't see it, but he could feel it first with his fingers, then with his tongue. He dug until he had a hole that was about as deep as his arm was long. There was enough water for him to scoop out with his hands and drop on Zero's face. Zero's eyes remained closed, but his tongue poked out between his lips, searching for the, out the droplets. Stanley dragged Zero closer to the hole. He dug, then scooped some more water and let it pour out of his hands into Zero's mouth. As he continued to widen his hole, his hand came across a smooth, round object, it was too smooth and too round to be a rock. He wiped the dirt off of it and realized it was an onion. He bit into it without peeling it. The hot, bitter juice burst into his mouth. He could feel it all the way up to his eyes, and when he swallowed, he felt its warmth move down his throat and into his stomach. He only ate half. He gave the other half to Zero. Here, eat this. What is it? Zero whispered. A hot fudge sundae. Chapter 39 Stanley awoke in a meadow, looking up at a giant rock tower. It was layered and streaked with different shades of red, burnt orange, brown, and tan. It must have been over a hundred feet tall. Stanley lay a while just looking at it. He didn't have the strength to get up. It felt like the insides of his mouth and throat were coated with sand. And no wonder. When he rolled over, he saw the water hole. It was about two and a half feet deep and over three feet wide. At the bottom lay more, no more than two inches of very brown water. His hands and fingers were sore from digging, especially under his fingernails. He scooped some dirty water into his mouth and swished it around, trying to filter it with his teeth. Zero moaned. Stanley started to say something to him, but no words came out of his mouth, and he had to try again. How you doing? It hurt to talk. Not good, Stanley said quietly. With great effort, he rolled over, raised himself to his knees, and crawled to the water hole. He lowered his head into it and lapped up some water. Then he jerked back, clutched his knees to his chest, and rolled to his side. His body shook violently. Stanley thought about going back down the mountain to look for the shovel so he could make the water hole deeper. Maybe that would give him them cleaner water. They could use the jars as drinking glasses. But he didn't think he had the strength to go down, let alone make it back up again. And he didn't know where to look. He struggled to his feet. He was in a field of greenish-white flowers that seemed to extend all the way around Big Thumb. He took a deep breath, then walked the last 50 yards to the giant precipice and touched it. Tag, you're it. Then he walked back to Zero and the water hole. On the way, he picked one of the flowers. 
It actually wasn't one big flower he discovered, but instead each flower was really a cluster of tiny little flowers that formed a round ball. He brought it to his mouth, but had to spit it out. He could see part of the trail he had made the night before when he carried Zero up the mountain. If he was going to head back down and look for the shovel, he realized he should do it soon while the trail was fresh, but he didn't want to leave Zero. He was afraid Zero might die while he was gone. Zero was still lying doubled over on his side. I got to tell you something, he said with a groan. Don't talk, said Stanley. Save your strength. No, listen, Zero insisted. Then he closed his eyes as his face twisted with pain. I'm listening, Stanley whispered. I took your shoes, Zero said. Stanley didn't know what he was talking about. His shoes were on his feet. That's all right, he said. Just rest now. It's all my fault, said Zero. It's nobody's fault, said Stanley. I, I didn't know, Zero said. That's okay, Stanley said. Just rest. Zero closed his eyes, but then again he said, I didn't know about the shoes. What shoes? From the shelter. It took a moment for Stanley to comprehend. Clyde Livingston's shoes. I'm sorry, said Zero. Stanley stared at him. It was impossible. Zero was delirious. Zero's confession seemed to bring him some relief. The muscles in his face relaxed. As he drifted into sleep, Stanley sang softly, softly sang him the song that had been in his family for generations. If only, if only, the woodpecker sighs, the bark on the tree was just a little bit softer. While the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moo-oo-oon. If only, if only.